crowds won't let him have that peace. He's too popular. So he, as he goes off to find a, a quiet place, they follow him around the lake to where he's trying to find sanctuary. And, and, and on that hillside, Jesus loves them. He teaches them. He feeds them with a couple of fish and a few small loaves of bread. People are astounded. And the gospel reports that he feeds 5,000 men. As usual, nobody bothered to count the women in the kids. But we can presume that they ate as well. That's a lot of folks and a lot of food. And Jesus' reputation as a teacher, a hearer, a healer, a miracle worker grows even larger. And after Jesus satisfies the spiritual and physical hunger of these people, he sends them home. And at the same time, he sends the disciples across the lake in a boat so he can finally get some time alone to greet his cousin. But that alone time is cut short and short-lived because those boys in the boat are having trouble on the Sea of Galilee. It's a shallow lake, kind of like Lake Galax, maybe in Minnesota. And when the storms come, it can be really dangerous. And so, although many of these disciples are fishermen, that they're familiar with the lake, they're floundering. Their boat is going down. And then we see Jesus come to them across the water to rescue them. This episode of Jesus walking on water and rescuing the disciples, and especially the impetuous Peter. It's a metaphor for how God rescues us as God's people. How God loves us in spite of our doubt and fear. Next, Jesus turns away from Israel and he goes to teach and heal in a Gentile country. Not only does Jesus teach and heal and drive out demons, but by this journey he makes a statement of welcome to all. God's kingdom is for all people, he saved. Jesus has a conversation with a Canaanite woman about dogs and puppies and crumbs that fall from the table. And Jesus' conversation with this woman is meant to tell his hard-headed disciples and us that our race, our nationality, our background makes zero difference because God loves us all. And that it should make zero difference and zero difference in how we treat one another. Some weeks ago, we heard in the video the parrot ask, "Who is it?" You know what I'm talking about if you were here that day. And we learned that it's the plumber from the video. With that silliness in mind, I came upon this little ditty this week. Quote. On Sunday, when it's time to worship, stop in and make a visit. So when you're gone and they bring you in, the Lord won't say, who is it? Sorry. Anyway, we hear in that gospel lesson, Jesus asks two questions. Who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? And we heard Peter's confession of faith and our own. We also heard Peter's declaration of faith that, that Peter would follow whatever, forever. And Jesus says those, that's the, the foundation of the church, the rock on which the church is built and maintained. And then right away, 
we see that rock begin to crack and crumble, turning to dust. It was just fine with the disciples, with Peter, for Jesus to talk about being the Messiah. That's what they wanted to hear. But when Jesus tells them that being the Messiah, that the outcome of his Messiahship is suffering and death on the cross, Peter will have none of it. Peter's response is, God forbid that you should die. Or God forbid that you should suffer. Or, in effect, God forbid that I should suffer. And Jesus at that point is almost physical against Peter's protest. Get behind me, Peter. You're talking like Satan, he says. Mark tells us that when Jesus had fought off Satan's temptations in the desert, Satan left him for, for the time being, but would return to Jesus and tempt him again. That testing time was beginning, and Jesus could feel the temptation, Satan's temptations in Peter's words as he moves towards Jerusalem. Peter and the disciples' intentions were mostly good, I think, and give them the benefit of the doubt. Although last week we heard James and John asking for that special privilege, you know, of being to sit at one on the right hand and one on the left hand of Jesus. I'm not sure that was so innocent. But mostly I think their intentions were good. But it's not our intentions, good or bad, that get us together, that get us into a relationship with God. Our intentions are not, our intentions are not pavement of any kind. It's, God, it's God's grace that saves us. It's true that our unrepentant bad intentions can separate us from God. They often do. They do put up barriers to God's love and grace. And it's the Holy Spirit that busts through those barriers and brings us to God. It's God's grace, God's grace that lifts us and puts us on the road to eternal life. So that's kind of my little summary of where we've been together these several months, five months. And the gospel lesson for this morning, we see Jesus' compassion and love as he continues to heal and to show God's love and to teach as he moves towards Jerusalem and the cross. And so now as you anticipate a new pastor, here are some thoughts. The very first thing is, get over all those previous pastors, including your current bridge pastor. Just get over them. They're gone. Your new pastor does not need to hear how much you liked pastor so-and-so, or how well pastor such-and-such did this or that. Start fresh. Give Pastor Sarah the benefit of the doubt. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because you know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But I think sometimes the choir needs to hear things. So with all that said, here are my parting thoughts. It has been a joy to work with you. When I retired, I made myself a promise. And that was that I wasn't going to do things if they weren't fun. But you made that job pretty easy. Your spirit of cooperation and commitment have made my job no work at all. I don't like to ride much. But other than that, it's been delightful. 
been a joy to work with you, even under this cloud of COVID and this pandemic. Even when we had to go back to, uh, and backtrack to wearing masks, and even when we had to give up the third Lutheran sacrament, the coffee hour, that really I've been impressed by the healthy cross-section of ages we have in this parish. Way too many congregations that I've worked with have few or no children. Maybe a grandchild here and there. I don't believe it's an accident that you have that cross-section of ages. Because you have been very intentional about ministry to and with your youth. From Sunday school, high school, and that helps keep families active. It's not an accident. I've been impressed by those who make sure that the slides work, and that the Facebook service gets put up every week. Those who keep the technology working, goodness knows it wouldn't be me. Those who keep the building and the ground functioning. It goes without saying that your secretary is a blessing and has kept me focused and on track and indeed in line. She's a great gift. She would be embarrassed if she's not here this morning. I've been astounded that in spite of being closed for over a year, your members have done very well in keeping up on their financial stewardship. You're doing okay. That speaks of a very healthy congregation, it seems to me. I think sometimes it seems like too often congregations like United, there's that feeling that, well, we aren't large. We're not wealthy. We aren't big like that church in Rice Lake or the one down there in Eau Claire. But take my word for it. You're doing it right. And you can feel good about that. I joke that I don't know if Prairie Farm is at the end of the world or the center of the universe. Of course, it's neither, is it? But I'll make a little beach. And yet, United Lutheran Church and Prairie Farm is where God has put you to tell the story of Jesus. Where you are called to minister as often as you can, by whatever means you can, to whomever you can, whenever you can. Is United Lutheran Church perfect? Of course. You know that. What in this life is? And you know the answer. But I but I but you are the baptized, forgiven children of God. You are strong. You are faithful. And most importantly, you belong to Jesus Christ. And you also know that. You've been told that all of your lives. So God bless your ministry. And God bless your work with your new pastor. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding in our hearts and our minds in Christ. We'll continue as we uh, spend some time in silence reflecting on God's word.
continue with him 690.